Hey, this is H1, and we're about to be running it back with another episode. I am so proud of myself for being here, getting this podcast done, getting this episode done. And I'm so happy that you are here listening right now. What are we going to be talking about, H1? What is the idea? What is the next idea? Aren't you running out of chest stuff yet? Well, first of all, I'm never running out of chest stuff because this is H1. And second of all, we are going to be talked about practical play in chess. What do I mean by practical play? Well, basically, I'm going to be giving tips and tricks on how to play more practically. These are the situations that I'm going to be giving tips on, first of all. And I know there's more tips, so I will be talking about this a lot more. The first tip is how to play more practically when you're winning a chess game. The second one is how to play more practically when you're down on time. You know, when you're down on time, you get nervous and you start doing some stupid moves. But H1 got some tricks on how you can play better and stop that nervousness. The third thing we are going to be talking about is how to develop your mind to play certain positions normally. And once we get done with that, then we I think we're set. So, you know what? Let's get to the next nope, not, not yet. Let's put in the plug of my Instagram is H1 Chess. My Facebook is Chess Knowledge with H1. In my YouTube, which is popping right now just a little bit, and I'm trying to get to a goal of getting to a thousand subscribers on YouTube, just to be transparent with what I'm trying to do, my YouTube channel is Chess Knowledge with H1. So if you can help a brother out, help H1 out with something so small, so free to do, subscribe to my YouTube channel and check out some videos. I got more Chess Knowledge information on there too. Okay. Let's move on to the next segment. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's H1, and we're about to get down to business talking more about practical play. But before we get more into practical play, let's figure out what I mean when I say the word practical. The meaning of the word practical is, I got Wikipedia, likely to succeed or be effective in real circumstances or something that is feasible. When you are in real chess games at a tournament or online even, you have to make effective moves with a plan, with an idea, something that is feasible that you can execute. And that's why H1 is talking more about practical things, because I need to deliver you the way of how to win games easily, just like any other grandmaster. 
And grandmasters know a lot about being practical in chess games. And I'm going to be going over different ways how you can use this technique in several different chess games, especially if you are rising up in the chess rating ladder. You have to learn how to get the games done the easiest way without giving your opponent any slim chance to coming back. And one area where we can be more practical is when we are winning. Now, this is what happens. When we're winning a game, we get swelled up with pride and we just think that we are just going to roll our opponent. We're just going to roll over on them. But that is not always the case. We might be winning the position, but we still have to win. The game doesn't stop when you're winning. The game keeps on progressing forward until when? When you get that checkmate. And when you get that checkmate, that's when the game stops. When that timer, <laughs> when that timer goes down, that's when the game is finished. But until then, don't give up. Don't let your alert down and You have to play more practical. When you're winning the chess game, these are some ways where you could be more practical. First of all, avoid games, avoid positions that are unclear unless you are losing. But we're talking about you winning a chess game, not losing. But that is true. If you are losing, if you're losing the chess game, you have to take every opportunity that you can. H1 knows all about this. When you have the opportunity to flip the script from you having a bad position to having something that is sexy, then yeah, it's going to be dope. You, You need to take whatever position that you can get. Take whatever activity that your opponent gives you. Don't make it simple for them. Stay alert when you're losing. But back to when you're winning games, you want to avoid variations that give your opponent too many ideas, too many ideas, plans to cause a counterplay. You don't want your opponent to counterplay, uh, to get counterplay at all. No, you want your opponent to suffer, to suffer in your demise. And if you go into a position that is unsound just to blow your opponent off the water and then you forget something because it was too tactical that's when the game can turn sideways now you might be thinking well what if that way is winning and and there's no other simple way to win well you're going to have to dig deeper into that position and calculate but Usually, there's positions where you have many ways to win. Whatever is simple, whatever you are more comfortable with, that's the way you should go. Now, looking for us, now looking for the simplest win. First of all, I talk about the thought process a lot. And in the part of calculation, you need to look for the variations that are easier for you to execute. And you need to make sure that your opponent can't win at all or get any counterplay. 
Secondly, you need to understand that when you're looking for the simplest win, a win is a win. No matter how ugly it is, it is still a win. And H1 doesn't really care if you accidentally lose some pieces on the on the way of the win. And that's more for lower players. But if you get the win off and not lose the game, then you got it. You got the win. You, you're cool. You're fine. You just need to make sure that your technique is better for the next game because we need to learn from our mistakes. But if you get the win, that's all that matters at the tournament field. You know what matters? That one point beside your name in a tournament. They don't care about what position you had. They just care about if you won the game or drew or lost. Now, there was an experience that I've seen while watching Title Tuesday on YouTube with the chess.com commentators. And there was these two grandmasters playing a chess game and they was getting low on time. And the position was very sharp. And then it ended up one player got up one piece. But these two grandmasters, they was facing off. They was getting low on time. And then something happened. They got into a position where the opponent has a knight and bishop. And knight. And the other grandmaster had just a piece. And the grandmaster offered to capture. The grandmaster offered a trade to his opponent of that one piece that he had. And there was a couple pawns scattered still. And he knew once they did the trade, then there will be no more pawns. So the one grandmaster that was up the extra two minor pieces, they would have to accomplish the bishop knight checkmate. And you know what was interesting about this game is that that grandmaster that was up the knight and bishop, they avoided the trade so that they didn't have to do the knight bishop checkmate. Because it wasn't practical. It wasn't easier. Even if you do know how to do the knight bishop checkmate, it takes a lot of moves to do so. So he decided to do another move. Another move that is simple enough that maybe my opponent will mess up and then I wouldn't have to do something so strenuous that I haven't, maybe the grandmaster haven't studied in a while. And he got the opportunity. He waited on the Grandmaster to mess up. And he found a way where he did not have to do the Knight Bishop checkmate. And that's the practical ways that I'm looking for all of you chess lovers who are playing chess. Another problem that arises when you're winning a chess game is looking for a fancy checkmate. And maybe this is just my problem. But I remember at a younger age when I was looking for fancy checkmates left and right, left and right. And H1 lost those games because I forgot one specific calculation, one specific variation that ended my whole career. I lost tournaments because of this. I lost chess games, especially a lot of online chess games from finding a fancy checkmate when I was starting chess. I don't do that nowadays, but sometimes the fancy checkmate 
does not work out when you're playing chess. Unless you really want to do it, I would calculate it thoroughly. I think I already touched on this before, but don't let your pride get in the way of winning the chess game. Yes, you might be up a queen in two rooks, but I've seen so many games where you're up a whole lot of pieces, but your opponent has that one chance and you mess up and then your opponent slams that rook at the under at the other end of the board. And get that back row checkmate. I will never forget all those games. If you don't keep alert and stay humble and treat your opponent as an opponent, a competitor, even if you're taking all the pieces, still wipe out your opponent. Checkmate is the goal when you're winning a chess game and doing it in the simplest way, in the simplest form. There is another thing that happens when you're winning the game, and this happens pretty rarely. Not rarely. It it happens. It's in the middle. But I hate having a winning game that you know is winning, especially during a tournament that is an hour long. I hate these positions where you have too many choices to win the game let me explain this is what happens a chess player has too many choices in in this position and you might be thinking that's a good thing to struggle with that's a that's a good thing to um that's a good thing for you to be in that position in but it's not when the win isn't clear still maybe you get into this position and each variation is complicated to calculate but you know that all these variations are winning it's so hard it's so hard to deal with and your brain just overloads and it explodes on impact because you turn that winning position into a lost really quickly once you're not on your toes. In those positions, you look for a simplest variation. If if there are a lot of variations that are simple, then go for the simplest of the simplest. Don't make it hard on yourself, on your brain. Even if it's not the best move by the chess engine, avoid the complicated moves go for the most comfortable things if you're winning a chess game yes so usually what happens when i'm having too many choices sometimes i get in trouble with thinking that i shouldn't be giving my opponent any counterplay but usually in some games you have to give them some space for the final blow you got to give them some counterplay to wreck their world, to give them havoc. You need to make sure that <laughs> that you are win, winning the whole time. You need to make sure that you are delivering Armageddon on the board to them and they have no other options but to go down 
downtown to the ground and get away from the board and shake my hand and resign already. And those are the few practical ways you can play winning positions on the board. This is the waiting room segment. Chess jokes by H1. And the joke of today is two chess players wanted to go to a chess tournament together by car. After some time, the driver had to check his street map. What do you think? Is it better if we take the main variation or the side variation? Thank you for listening. Yes, I'm back, and now we're going to be talking about practical ways to play positions when you're down on time. And when you're down on time, one way that can be practical is playing positions that are easier for you. You know, it's easier if you're down one minute on a clock and you have no other increment. I would rather be playing some boring rook ending instead of a complicated middle game. If you're down on time and you're deciding between two moves, which the first one, which the first move involves sharp calculations and the second move has easier ideas you can comprehend really fast, choose the second option always, especially when you're down on time. You don't want to be in a position, let's say you you even have an increment. Let's say you have an increment. Each move you play, you get two seconds back. It's bad to live off the increment, especially if your opponent is still ahead of you in time. So if your opponent is still ahead of you in time, they have more time to calculate than you. And you're risking a probability that you will lose that position since you can't go through the thought process that quickly. So yes, easier ideas is always the good way to go, especially if you have to do it very fast. Usually you go for the easier ideas, but I guess it can sum up to personality too, because a person might be more tactical in nature and wants to test their opponent. So basically it's kind of hypocritical, but depending on your chest personality, you should go either way that feels more comfortable. Maybe moving into sharp calculations is more comfortable for you. I don't know. I'm, I'm not you. But if you feel like that, then be my guest. But for me, going into easier positions for me to comprehend and ideas that I can throw out that I have experienced in the rest of my games gives me um, gives me relief. And then I can like throw away that anxiety and just be like, ah, OK, I'm comfortable. This is cool. 
this is dope um to add a wrench into the scenario if i was at a tournament and the only way for me to get first place is for me to win i will go for the unclear position if i was at a tournament and the only way for me to get a first place is for me to win i would definitely go for the unclear position so I just wanted to say that it depends on each situation, what you get into. But usually the having easier ideas is correct the majority of the time. But if it's a you have to win no matter what type of scenario, go for the win no matter what. And don't regret it afterwards, even if you lose. Don't regret it because you needed that win. And one win can cost you first place or even second place or even third place. You better be proud. If you went for the win, you better be proud of it. Even if you get 15th place, I do not care. If you need encouragement, if you feel sorry for yourself, then H1 will be here to congratulate you for not being a punk. (laughs) On a serious note. So depending on the time control, one thing that we can learn from depending on the time control you don't have to be precise on every single move when you watch grandmaster games they are not as precise in every single move they do especially in faster time controls they're not seeking the number one move on each move of the chess game they're looking for not only the first best move the second best move, the third best move. Imagine trying to find the first best move in bullet chess. And if you don't know what bullet chess is, bullet chess is when each opponent has one minute on the clock. No, they don't find the best move in those positions. They might find the fourth best move and they will avoid blundering. But if you catch a a grandmaster playing the first best move on each move that he does or she then you might have to be like hey he or she is cheating and I (laughs) I'd be playing too much but yeah no you won't see that don't expect perfection all the time it's not something that you should that you should be striving for in certain time controls maybe if you have an hour on your clock You should be striving for chess positions that give you that winning first move in game or whatever situation that you're in. And if you have more time on the clock, that gives you some opportunity to be more tactical and have more precision in your play. But if you're running down on time, avoid all that perfection type of stuff and just be human and make problems for your opponent still. Each move should still have a purpose. So basically, there are positions on the chessboard that have a variety of good moves. And you have to find the best moves for you. And that's how chess gives you a specific personality. Because there are some players that are aggressive. And then there are some players that are passive, defensive. And they enjoy finding defensive moves for some reason. I don't get that type of chess, but 
each to their own. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the waiting room segment. Chess quotes by H1. And the quote of today is, Sometimes... You should work smarter, and sometimes you should work harder. Different situations bring different outcomes. Thank you for listening. As H1, I will like to talk about how to develop your mind to place certain openings normally. Not openings. Ah, certain positions normally. For example, you should know as a chess player how to do the Rook Rook Checkmate. When you see the Rook Rook Checkmate on the board, it should be something that is in common with you. Right, you shouldn't get nervous when you're delivering that checkmate. Even the queen king versus king checkmate, even the rook king versus king checkmate, you should feel comfortable playing those positions. And it not only goes into end games, but it goes into middle game ideas too. Sometimes you get into positions or patterns that you don't recognize, and you instantly get anxiety. You instantly get nervous. You get shook by the position and be like, oh, snap. I don't know what to do. What do I do now? And your mind starts racing and it's just a whole nother level when you're trying to find ideas that you don't have experience in. So what do you do about that? Well, H1 will deliver some ideas on how to develop your mind to play certain positions normally and this deals with practicality in chess when you can play different types of um, variations positions normally that helps improve your practical play so let's get into it certain ways to practice different um, positions well there is certain ways to practice different positions when you uh, do tactic puzzles Now, tactic puzzles are very interesting because it helps you to analyze certain chess games. And some of the tactic puzzles that I do on WeChess.org or Chess.com, most of those tactic puzzles come from real games that have happened on that platform. And that gives you some in-depth learning on how to... Um, deal with that pattern or that position. Now, different ratings have different sets of puzzles in those platforms. I think, I don't know if they changed it or not, but before 1600 rating, 
it's usually more about patterns finding forks pins captures discover checks more about learning basic tactics but when you get past a certain level most likely 1900 or 2000 you have to start looking at variations on ways to get the advantage or maybe it's that fork that is four moves down or maybe it's not even a a a position that you should be winning maybe it's a draw that you should be acquiring with your position doing different tactic puzzles will help you be more comfortable in certain positions when it arrives because you can calculate and you know exactly what you're doing when you do a series of tactic puzzles. A second way that you can develop your mind to play positions normally and practically is to experience playing a lot of chess games. I will say this once and then I will say it more times in these episodes. Play longer chess games. Rapid. Classical. The longer the chess game, the better it is. And I will say this, just in case you're doing it wrong. When you're playing rapid chess games or classical chess games, take them seriously. Calculate your moves. Go through the thought process. See see what your opponent threat is. And look at all of your threats. Actually, Actually try to find the best move. And if you're trying to find the best move and you do honest mistakes that you can learn from, that will increase your chest tremendously more than any other thing that you'll be doing with chess. So experience in playing chess games will help tremendously. Um... Back to practicing different positions. If you're having problems using your advantage in winning positions, I mean, if you're having problems using your advantage in winning positions, there are computers that will help you. I know on some chess platforms, you can set up a position or analyze a position or your chess games. Well, instead of, instead of just looking at the best moves, because that's not going to help your chest at all. Look for the advantage. Look for the win. And then after you find the best move. Then how about play the rest of the game against the computer? That would help you tremendously. I I, I, I swear it will. I used to do this a whole lot when I was getting ready for tournaments in my high school years. I would, um, I would be practicing with stockfish up an advantage, up a knight. Because even if you're up a, a piece, a bishop or knight or rook, stockfish, especially the grandmaster stockfish, is not going to be easy on you. And if you're able to beat the grandmaster with a piece up, you're going somewhere. Because it's nearly impossible as a human. I promise you you should try it one time so that's what i would do in my high school years when i was competitive i would look for t- 
time advantages, space advantages, material advantages to help myself win these positions. Now, the time advantage one was was kind of cool. They just start you off with a developed position against <laughs> your opponent who is not developed at all. So one side is completely developed with the knights and bishops and their king is castled and their queen is off the first rank and your rooks are connected so they will give you this time advantage against the other side that's still in the that's still in the starting position you should be able to win that since you have the most activity but it is very easy to lose it if you're not doing the best moves in that position That is one way for you to get experience is playing the top computer. And I used to play Fritz too. Fritz was disrespectful. I I swear Fritz is not. I swear he's not human. He acted like he was human. I used to have a Fritz program on my computer. And he would say the most disrespectful stuff when I did a mess up. Oh my goodness. I would feel even worse. And then I'll shut off my computer because I, I don't want to play that that jerk. But anyway, H1 is still here. So I, I definitely got better than what I was. And I'm glad that I had that experience when I was a younger kid playing Fritz and playing these computers because there was pretty much nobody else for me to play in the beginning. Um... I know we already talked about the end games, but I, I just want to say one more thing about um, learning different drawn positions of rook pawn end games and bishop pawn end games versus king and learning different types of these um, end games will help you out, feel more comfortable with playing these in real life chess games. In chess, preparation will always be key. Preparation in the opening, preparation in the middle game, preparation in the end game too. Usually it's the other way around. Usually you would want to study all your end game stuff first. Study the ideas in the middle game, then get all the opening. But everybody has a different teaching style. And some people want to learn some openings first when it is not required to learn openings. For me, I go by the philosophy. The philosophy by H1. You don't have to learn specific opening moves before you hit 1600. Because you can do any type of opening. And if you have your middle games and end games down, you will be successful and you can win pretty much each game. Usually openings... The opening preparation becomes more important the higher you go. Basically, up to 2,000 rating. But I say 1,600 because there are some people at 1,600 that knows a lot about openings. And there was a tournament where I did lose straight out of the opening against a 1,600 rated player. I will never forget that. So that's why I put it at 1,600. One other thing... 
I would like to talk about is you need to control your nervousness in normal positions. And sometimes all you need to do, and this is the most practical thing I can say, I have did this many times, especially at tournaments right in front of my opponent. I would just breathe for a minute. There is positions where I thought I was losing because I didn't see a move by my opponent. And I get so nervous and I, I need to like, take my inhaler out or something. But to calm myself down, I'll just breathe for a few minutes, breathe out my mouth, hold it in, push out, breathe through my nose, hold it in, push out. Then I'll get back to the chess game. And this is competitive tournaments where this can be important because you don't want to over-exaggerate what is going on in the position. Because being skeptical about your opponent's moves will take you a far away. I don't care who your opponent is. I don't care if your opponent is Bobby Fischer. You be skeptical about every single move that they're, that they're doing, every single plan that they're doing. If you're skeptical, then you're more likely to find the problem if they do a move that is inaccurate. Now, I tell you to breathe when you're nervous because I have seen many of my students in the chess clubs. I have seen many people lose in completely equal positions. I've seen people draw the game in a winning position. My students, and I'm like, what are you doing? And other people's students, but I'm like, what are you doing? And my eyes are closed and I'm rubbing my eyes and... I just can't believe what I'm seeing. Students losing or offering draws, giving away the win. That's not how you fight in chess. I've seen losses from symmetrical positions, uh, symmetrical rook positions. And here's the thing about this. Once it happens, you can't take that back. Especially if you was winning and you offer a draw. And I've talked about that many times. And you know H1 will not tolerate that type of chess playing. No, go for the win. But here's the thing. Don't be nervous. The more you play chess, the more you will not be nervous about playing games, especially playing online chess, playing that brother, playing that sister, even friends. And the last tip I can give you for this episode is press forward into improving yourself. And if you improve yourself in the chess in, in this chess journey that you're walking onto, then you will be successful. And what you're trying to accomplish when playing chess. And you are very successful just for listening to this. Thank you. H1 is thanking you just for being here. This is the waiting room segment, Chess History by H1. And the person we're going to be talking about today is Victor Q. 
Korshinoi. He was born on March 23, 1931 in St. Petersburg, Russia. His peak rating was 2695 and he was one of the strongest players to never become a world chess champion. He resided in Switzerland from 1978 becoming a Swiss citizen and he died June 6, 2016 in Switzerland. But on the good note, he made a few books for us to learn from. One of them is Chess is My Life. And the second one is Kirchnoy's 400 Best Games. Thank you for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, H1 is at the end, but we can celebrate you being at the end right now. I'm happy. I'm clapping. You know what I mean? Congrats. You know, this is this is the congrats by H1. If you don't like the congrats by H1, then I'm I'm sorry, but you, you are listening and you will hear H1 talk some more at the end of these episodes. But let me give you a sneak peek of the next one that will be going on um what's the what's the next episode what's the next episode i will be delivering the second part of the distraction episode i do have a a good story on distractions from my opponent that have happened to me at an actual tournament going to a different city a different county and yeah, you're going to hear that experience from me just facing this disgusting person. But let me digress. I'm happy that you're here. <laughs> That's why I can digress too. And I just want to say I welcome you back to come for some more chess knowledge every Tuesday. And please, if you like this content, leave leave a follow, you know, make sure that you're notified when I drop a episode and make sure that you share, share with your friends, family, anybody that is playing chess. We, we're trying to get this not weird, but because this is a one man army, but I'm trying to get this podcast to another level and definitely start some interviews with some chess enthusiasts. So support, support a brother. Support a brother if you like this content. You know, that would, that would be nice. I, I, I love all y'all. And I don't, I don't use that word lightly. The people that are here right now, I love you. H1 is saying I love you. 
Uh, I got to make sure that I use up. Okay. Peace.